Well, good morning, Grace. Uh, I'm Rob Price, I'm Mindy's husband, and so Walt's son-in-law. Um, I work over at Biola, uh, maybe once a year I get to be up here preaching, so it's a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, you can see on the screens there, or on your bulletin, right, this uh, odd phrase, Habits of Grace. Uh, it's the title of our summer preaching series, and this morning we'll be talking about the habit of service. So habits of grace is, again, it's an odd phrase. What we mean by habits are practices, disciplines, things we do regularly, okay? Then habits of grace are habits that God loves to bless. In the Bible, God shows us a bunch of things that we can do, habits we can develop in order to receive his rich blessing, his grace. So the habits of grace, what we're preaching on this summer, they're how to get blessed by God, how to grow in our faith. And that doesn't sound so odd anymore, does it? The habits of grace are ways to deepen our love for our Heavenly Father and for our brothers and sisters in Christ and for all those who do not yet know Jesus as Lord. If Christianity is about the resplendent love of God, then the habits of grace are the whole spectrum of refractions of that love in the daily life of the Christian. And service is one of the habits of grace. Uh, it's one wavelength of the divine light. I think it's yellow. Service, you know, is just helping others, taking care of others, and we serve so that through our serving, God will bless others, and God will bless us, and God himself will be pleased, honored, and glorified, amen? On the night Jesus was betrayed, he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Jesus gives us an example of service and he calls us to serve. So how do we serve well to honor the call of Jesus? Okay, here's what I'd like to do this morning. Uh, first, I wanna clear up two misunderstandings about service. You see, serving is not just doing more and more stuff. And serving is not only a church thing. We'll clear up these two misunderstandings. Second, I wanna talk about why service is cool. Uh, I'm excited to tell you what I've been learning about service uh, this past week and more, because you probably don't know the half of it. <laughs> or maybe, maybe like me you know, but you've forgotten, and we all need to be reminded. The difference between service as drudgery and service as delight depends on seeing how cool service is. I'll give three reasons. And then third, uh, I wanna finally give some practical suggestions for serving around here at Grace. And some of these suggestions are gonna come from a short video that we'll watch. Uh, it's from an interview with uh, one of our veteran servers here at Grace, Gary Halverson. Gary will give us some wisdom from the trenches on serving. Okay, so two misunderstandings, three reasons why service is cool, and lots of suggestions for how to serve. Sounds good? Okay, 
Before we begin, though, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, you shine in all that's fair. We see you in the beautiful service of your saints. And so we want to play our part, too, in your care for others. The beauty of your tender care for us, we want to reflect that to others now and increasingly as we press on toward the goal of the Christian life. Most of all, Father, we want you to be pleased, you whose service is perfect freedom. This we ask, Father, in the name of your servant and our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so first let me make sure that we avoid a couple misunderstandings when it comes to service. First, when God calls us to serve one another in love, he's not just calling us to do more and more and more stuff. Some of you I know have come to church this morning just exhausted by life. Like it was an accomplishment for you just to get here. What you don't need is a long list of things to do. So when I say, let's serve the Lord, please don't hear, let's do more and more stuff. Right? Serving is not just more and more stuff. But why do we assume that? Why do I assume that? Uh, when I was first thinking about this sermon and maybe what kinds of service that I should be involved in, uh, confession, my first thought was, <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> I am this close to exhaustion and you want me to pack a bunch more things onto my calendar? So why do some of us immediately think that serving is about more and more doing? Um, there are probably lots of reasons for it, but let me identify just one so that we can be more broadly aware of it because it affects how we think about lots more of the Christian life than just serving. It actually has to do with our economy. You see, the logic of American capitalism knows nothing of biblical rest. The market drives us to be constantly working so that we can be constantly spending, right? That's our consumer culture. It lives to shop. Its motto, to be is to buy. <laughs> if life's hard, you should try maybe a little retail therapy. <laughs> Hundreds of times every day, ads try to convince us that we can recreate who we are by this never-ending stream of purchases. Costco, ergo, sum. I shop, therefore I am. <laughs> right, that's our culture. Right, we've got to earn the next release of our constantly remodeled existence. Rob 2.0, Rob 3.0, Rob Prime. <laughs> our consumer culture tries to drive us to ceaseless economic activity and productivity. But this economic ideal spills over into how we view social engagements and education, and relationships, and accomplishments, all updated for us instantly on Facebook. <laughs> Yikes, what a death trap. <laughs> Good news, friends. Get some rest. In the Bible, service is on the same team with rest. Christian service is not the rat race. So, if you're a calendar slave, overcommitted, sucking wind in the sprint to the weekend. <laughs> For you, the first step to serving better may be doing less. Put a little space in the calendar. Pass 
on the opportunity. Decline the event. Politely, <laughs> wait on the Lord to renew your strength. You see, when we rest, we acknowledge that God is our ultimate provider. When we cease our striving, we confess that it doesn't all depend on us and our identity, our worth, comes ultimately from Him. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for the Lord gives to His beloved sleep. Psalm 127. The call to service is not a call to crazy busyness. So, if the idea of serving makes you feel the pressure to look busy, pray to the Lord. Right, ask him whether this morning's summons to service for you may actually be a summons to rest. Now, that said, service absolutely involves an element of sacrifice, as we see in Jesus. And so the Christian life will often be marked by a holy fatigue. We should expect that. And service also in the mysterious ways of God often itself refreshes us and gives us new stores of energy. New service may actually be God's solution to our exhaustion. And then, sinners that we are, how easy it is to call exhaustion what is in fact simple laziness. So what each of us should do with this morning's call to serve, it's not a simple decision. Praise God though, if any of us lacks wisdom, we can ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given us, amen? So, serving doesn't necessarily mean doing more and more stuff. Second, serving is not just a church thing. Sometimes people think that serving can only be Christian if it happens in church. Not so. Right? Service happens in all of life because we are Christians in all of life. Now, we're gonna mention a bunch of ways to serve here at Grace. We do want to see lots more service here at Grace. But here's the thing. Service happens in normal life too. In fact, you may already be serving more than you know. You see, every role that God has called us to in this life gives us opportunities for service. Are you a citizen? Active, law-abiding citizenship serves the body politic. Are you a friend? The stuff you do to bless your friends, that's service. Husbands and wives, parents, children, the stuff that you all do to each other, or the broader family, right? The stuff you do out of love to care for each other, that's service. Are you a slave, I mean, sorry, an employee. <laughs> Are you a slave master slash employer? Are you a neighbor? Okay, you get the point, right? Every role that God has called you to play, it's an opportunity for loving service. Lots of service happens in normal life. We'll come back to this. Okay, so now that we're a little clear about what service is and what it's not, why is service so cool? Three reasons. First and foremost, service is cool because Jesus has sanctified service. Jesus has sanctified service, what the ancient world thought of as worthy only of slaves. And 
what the modern world too still despises deep down inside. Jesus has made service a holy thing, overturning worldly visions of greatness. In the hands of Jesus, lowly service becomes the mark of greatness. We see this, for example, in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is about the suffering servant, Jesus. And how does he serve? Well, he received wounds so we could be healed. He endured punishment so we could know peace. He was crushed so that we could be accounted righteous. That's how Jesus served us. And as Isaiah 53 goes on to say, he is high and lifted up and exalted because of it. Amen? In Matthew 20 and Mark 10, Jesus says the whole point of his earthly ministry was what? To serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, as the world might expect of a king, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And heaven will ring for all eternity with the praise of Jesus' service. Worthy is the Lamb to take the scroll and open its seals. Why? Because you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Amen? So that's why it makes sense when Jesus summons us to serve. He says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Right? We get that. We understand how that works. Having been served by Jesus, we see how Jesus has made service a beautiful, powerful, holy thing. For us, Jesus' service means release from sin. It means health and peace. It means life to be forever with the Lord. And so we want that divine light to shine also in our lives to bless others. We know what service can do because Jesus has sanctified it. Service is cool because Jesus has sanctified service. Second, Service is cool because through service, God sanctifies us. The habits of grace, including serving, are things that God uses to change us. Now we normally think of habits as kind of mindless and automatic, like biting your fingernails. Like, you know, once you're in the habit, you don't really think about it, it just starts happening. <laughs> right, but serving's not like that. Like, no one ever found herself one day serving at Adventure Week. Like, whoa, where'd all these kids come from, right? (laughs) Serving is not mindless or automatic. The habits of grace are deliberate. They require intention and choice. The reason we call them habits, though, is because regular practices, sustained disciplines, while they never become mindless, they do become easier, more automatic, right? The habits of grace get our soul in shape just like exercise does the body. Now, maybe you've experienced this with, with scripture or with prayer, right? Our first, first of the, uh, our two first habits of grace. Like, so if you get in the habit of waking up at a certain time and grabbing your Bible and sitting down to read, it can become almost automatic. Your arm, all on its own, will reach over and turn off the alarm at 5.59, like before the thing goes off. 
and somehow your Bible will come into your possession and you will find yourself seated, alert, and ready to hear from the Lord. Or prayer. You can get in the habit of casting your cares on the Lord. And where before you would maybe grumble to yourself or problem solve in your head or have a little stress fest, now you just find yourself already talking to your heavenly Father about everything that concerns you. So you see what's happening here, right? Through sustained disciplines, God changes us and molds us. Patterns of behavior start to make our souls more like Jesus. Even our bodies will begin to adjust to support spiritual discipline. And I don't just mean like waking up on time. Get this, neurologists, they say that eight weeks of regular prayer produce physical changes big enough in the brain to be measured by a brain scan. (laughs) That's crazy. So if you see anyone walking around Grace with a fat head, prayer warrior, (laughs) God sanctifies us through the habits of grace. What this means is that the habits of grace, including serving, are keys to freedom. They are keys to unlock the prison door of our sin so that we can step out into the light and live freely and fully for God and others. Say, for example, that I don't really care about the poor. Maybe I get riled up about politics, but poverty? Yeah, I've heard of social exclusion and the legacy of oppression and lack of role models and failed education and the family breakdown and the health issues. I've heard of all that, but it doesn't really move me. I don't care. And what's worse, I realize that I can't just decide to care. I may even want to care, but I can't will myself to care. I don't have a care for the poor switch inside me that I can just turn on. I'm indifferent. I'm cold. Like something in me is dead. That's how sin works. And I can feel just helplessly bound by it. But guess what I can do? Now maybe I can't just decide one day to care for the poor, but I can head over to food bank and then God will begin to change what I care about. I can take the step of serving and trust that as I do so, God will start to nurture in me, in my heart, a true concern for the poor. You see, we don't have like direct control over our desires. We can't just flick a switch and instantly change what we love, but we are not helpless. Like maybe we can't just decide to love the Bible, but we can get in the habit of reading it. And God in his grace will meet us there and begin to change what we love. We can't just suddenly decide to love prayer, but we can get in the habit of praying. And God in his grace will meet us there and begin to change what we love. How many of you, when you were a little kid, loved coffee? Not many. (laughs) But you see, Starbucks has woven its brews into the liturgies of our lives, and our love has followed our practice. For sinners like us, holiness is an acquired taste. Serving 
is one of the ways through which God changes our tastes. The habits of grace are means God has given us to change what we love, to free us from our sinful self-preoccupation, to redirect our desires towards the true and the good and the beautiful. Sinful desire, even sinful indifference, it's a prison. God's service is perfect freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Service is cool because through it, God sanctifies us. Third, service is cool because Jesus himself receives our service. If Jesus didn't receive our service, I don't know how we could keep on serving. Serving is often long, hard work. And if it were merely something we were supposed to do, a sense of duty would carry us only so far. Like I might sacrifice a little because I'm supposed to, but I couldn't persevere in sacrifice unless I knew that Jesus himself saw it and was pleased. Jesus knows this. And that's why he tells us that all of our service, even the little bits, he himself receives. Jesus explains this to us in Matthew 25. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations. And then the king will say to those on his right, that's us, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wow, how come? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we, we did do any of these things for you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Friends, when you invite a lonely neighbor over for a meal, it's Jesus you're welcoming. When you spend an hour or two in Sunday school with some of the least and littlest of Jesus' brothers and sisters, you've spent that time with Jesus. And even if we forget some of our own service, Jesus remembers. In this life, lots of service goes entirely without recognition. Much of your service may be unseen. Much of it will be forgotten. But Jesus sees it and Jesus remembers it, and Jesus will reward it. Just a little earlier, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. As you know, in this parable, some of the servants served well. And when the master returned from his journey, he said to each of them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
You see, our Lord Jesus Christ has gone on a long journey to heaven, but he will return in his own good time, and he will remember, and he will joyfully praise every act of service to others. (laughs) Can you imagine what that will be like? The years of care for an aging parent, hardly anyone sees, Those who do see can hardly appreciate the sacrifice, but you stick with it. Jesus sees your service, and Jesus knows your sacrifice, and Jesus receives it joyfully as done to him. And when you stand at the judgment, Jesus himself will say to you, well done. Your job's demanding. Your coworkers are edgy. You don't even know how long you're gonna stay with this company. But, trusting in Jesus, you put in another good day's work. Jesus sees, and Jesus remembers. And when you stand at the judgment, Jesus himself will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Husbands and wives, your service to your spouse will not be forgotten. Sometimes your spouse may not see it. Sometimes your spouse may not appreciate it, but it is beautiful in Jesus' eyes and it will remain bright in his memory. And Jesus himself on the day of judgment will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Friends, when the sacrifice of service begins to weigh on us, we need to lift our eyes to Jesus and know that he sees and set our hope on that day when he will gather all nations for judgment and we will stand before him and he will say to us, because of our service, well done. One of the coolest things ever about service is that Jesus himself receives it. Finally then, some practical suggestions about serving here at Grace. And then we'll hear from Gary Halverson about some of his experience serving. So, ways to serve. Um, Kids Adventure Week is probably our biggest service event of the year and so many of you did beautiful service there. But our kids' ministries, week in and week out, they have tons of needs for volunteers. There's Project Hope for the orphan, Food Bank for the poor. There's Women's Bible Study and Band of Brothers. You could ask about playing in the band or about leading a grace group or about joining the deacons to care for practical needs in our church. Uh, The tech team in the back has all kinds of buttons that need pushing. You could sing an Easter choir, Christmas choir, help with Easter walk. Uh, Maybe you join the finance team. You know, someone has to take care of security on a Sunday morning. You could usher, come to house of prayer. These are some of the more official ways of serving, but unofficially, you could also mentor someone who's younger in the faith. You could visit folks who are in the hospital. I'm sure the deacons have a list. There are widows and single moms who could use help around the house. You could write to our missionaries, our greatest partners. You could bring meals or provide transportation. 
We may need help with cleaning around here or taking care of the grounds or building maintenance. You could do setup or tear down for events or volunteer in the church office. All kinds of ways to serve here at Grace. But what might it actually look like uh, if you were to begin serving in one or more of these ways? Uh, right now, we're going to watch uh, a short video. We're going to hear from Gary Halverson about his experience serving here at Grace. My name is Gary Halverson. My wife's name is Robin. I have two daughters, uh, Maria and Peshin. We live in Santa Ana, and we've been coming to Grace since about 2004. I knew that I needed to get plugged in right away. So the first uh, opportunity that we had uh, was to help out with Adventure Week. So that's when Adventure Week was pretty much just starting. From there on, I started helping with the Sunday school. I helped teach with uh, Mrs. Buck, Jan Buck, and she and I helped. We taught the uh, fourth and fifth grade uh, Sunday school class together. Um, and I helped with leading the singing. And I, I wanted to be connected somehow to, to the work of the Lord God opened the door for us to help with teaching a puppet ministry. So we involved some of the young people. Uh, they were junior hires and then high schoolers. So they en ended up learning how to serve in that kind of way. And it's fun to see them all grown up now, those kids who were once puppeteers, and now they're serving in many other ways and, and growing up in the Lord. I was very busy in our old church, maybe for the wrong reasons, uh, maybe selfish reasons, wanting people to notice me or, you know, I wanted to serve the Lord. I really did. I found out when I got sick that the Lord didn't necessarily need me. <laughs> he can do things pretty well without me. And um, that was a, a very good experience for me because I ended up doing absolutely nothing. I was brought down to basically being able to maybe get out of bed for the day and lay on the couch. So it was a good period for me to just be quiet and say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? So I wanted to be careful when I got back involved because I was involved in all sorts of things. Um, there, there's a, there comes a point where you can burn out. You're just doing so much and you're just uh, thinking, I've got to be doing all this stuff and, and you just can't say no. I couldn't say no. Finally, the, the Lord said no for me. He <laughs> just took me out of the way. I think what God went, wanted to do in my service was to get my uh, focus off of what I was doing and back onto Him. It was during that time I had some of the most precious experience of His presence and His nearness that I'd never really felt before. Yes, you are needed, but God, you need, you need Him more. If someone doesn't know where to serve, you can ask. Certainly pray and say, Lord, lead me. Once you become a Christian, the natural outgrowth of that is to want to serve because you've been served by the, the King of Heaven. It says in Philippians that we should have this mind in us, which is also in Christ Jesus, that he humbled himself, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. He went all the way to obedience and the death of a cross. And he humbled himself by washing the disciples' feet. And he calls us to serve him the way that he served us. It's a natural outgrowth of our love for Jesus. So he's going to lead you. He wants you to serve. He's not going to disappoint you. You may make 
you know, missteps and get involved in something. You say, well, this isn't quite what I want or what I feel the Lord is leading me to. But that's fine. You're trying. And God's going to God's gonna head your way and he's going to show you where he wants you. If you don't feel like serving or you feel like inadequacy to serve, that's natural. <laughs> I feel inadequate to serve. But God's spirit is sufficient and he'll enable you. If there's really a resistance to serving in your heart, then something's wrong. You need to say, Lord, search me. Forgive me for holding back. Do with me whatever you want. Lord, I'm your servant. I'm no longer here for myself. Something I've really began to learn, I think in this last year, is that God really wants to work and he, he is working. What he wants me to do is get out of the way. Let him do his work. I've seen God work and move and speak uh, in ways I could never have done. And he just wants vessels who are empty and willing to be used. He can use you just as you are. The Bible tells us to keep our eyes on those who walk according to the example of Jesus. And Gary is one of many who have done beautiful service here at Grace. I just want to point out one thing. Did you notice that even Gary Halverson feels inadequate in serving? <laughs> and that's one of the main reasons why people hesitate to serve. They don't feel up to it. Right? But truth be told, none of us is up to serving so glorious a king as Jesus. But God doesn't ask that we be professionals, as Gary said, simply that we be willing. And you know, God has designed the church as a body that needs the service of every one of its parts. So even if you think you're just a scrunchy little toe in the body of grace, well, guess what? We still need you to walk. And in our serving in weakness, we will show forth the power and beauty of Jesus. So grace, let's serve one another in love. First, realize that Jesus has sanctified service. Meditate on the magnificent ways that Jesus serves us and give him praise and learn to recognize in lowly service the beautiful, powerful, holy way of Jesus. Second, know that through service, God sanctifies us, right? Through service, God makes us more like Jesus, more holy, more happy, more human. Service unbends twisted desire and thaws the frozen heart. Third, rejoice that Jesus himself receives all of our service. Tomorrow, we'll probably all still be in the same roles that we are in today. But we can serve in these old roles with new love and new gratitude, new energy, a new sense of purpose because we know we're serving Jesus. So let's let Jesus delight in our service, sustain us in the often long and thankless sacrifice that service involves. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And then finally, ask around. Sign up, jump in. Get in the habit of service. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Because someday soon, friends, Jesus will return from his long journey. The time for judgment will be at hand. We will stand before him. And Jesus himself will look us in the eyes and say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.